If you'd like to follow along, we only have two verses today. Mm. Just two verses. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I would dare say both these verses we could spend the rest of the year preaching on and not really get to the bottom of. If for no other reason than they are the tipping point for the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans. So really to fully grasp and understand the importance of what comes in the first two verses in the 12th chapter, we really have to have a good understanding of the first 11 chapters. Which is why I think that the uh, King James probably does a little bit better job with this because it says, therefore, comma, and therefore is the whole first 11 chapters. But I'll read out of the ESV today the first two verses, chapter 12. I appeal, appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. And where I really want to focus this morning is really on the first part of verse 2. Now this is a passage that I recall from very young age, having highlighted in my scripture and hearing often teaching us certain truths that are within it. And as I said, even just those first two verses have a year's worth of sermons. But sometimes I think we skip over the first part of verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. The Amplified Version renders it as such. It says, And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs. It includes that part to give us a hint for what it is that we're being told. When we talk about the world, we're talking about the things that the world, that society wants us to do, as opposed to what the things God wants us to do. But I want to spend just a few minutes talking about what it means to be conformed to something. It means to be made into resembling it, to be reduced to the likeness of, or to be made agreeable to. Now, maybe conformed is not a word we use very often. You could substitute different terms here. You could say molded. Right? We're going to put something inside of a container and make it fit and make it look just like the mold. And so when we talk about conforming something, that's exactly the same idea that what we are doing is we are taking something and we are shaping it or molding it or conforming it to look like something else. And we do this with a lot of different materials that we have. Now, as I've mentioned before, I'm not a great Greek scholar, but some of the notes I read here said this is really a passive word. And it can suggest one of two things. One, that this is happening subconsciously to us. As in, we're not really aware of it. It's a passive occurrence. And so perhaps what God is trying to reveal to our hearts is that we can be subconsciously conformed or molded to the world. And I would say that's most definitely true. I'd say many times that we look around and we don't realize where we're going until we reach a very difficult patch in life, and all of a sudden it becomes abundantly obvious to us this slow conformity that we've taken on with the world. The other possible explanation there is 
kind of part of what I said, that we might be this conforming that is taking place in the past, and again, we don't realize it till later. So maybe we don't realize it until it's too late, and we're already conformed to look like something else, or we don't even realize it at all. But either way, this word to be conformed is used only once other in the Scriptures in the New Testament in a very similar passage, 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But he, but he who has called you to be holy... For be, I'm misreading this, I'm sorry. But he has called you to be holy. And all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy as I am holy. And so here again we have this idea that we are not to be conformed or molded or fall into the same form as the things that we were ignorant of, the lies that we partook, the things that occurred to us before we were the children of God. We must be careful not to conform to this present age, to this world. And I will tell you what you already know, this world has a lot of things it's trying to shape us into, doesn't it? It has a lot of things that it's telling us about how we should live, how we should think, how we should act, what we should do. And part of that conformity of the world is also to tell us what not to do. Don't do these things. And so it brings several really important questions that we have today to consider. How often are we conformed or molded to what the world wants? How often are we conformed or molded to what it is that the world wants? Does it occur so often that we don't even notice it? Maybe this is a really important one. As I said, maybe it's subconscious when we think about this word. Maybe we don't even realize that we're being conformed to the image of this age to the world. And the third part of a similar question is, other than maybe right now, if the world saw you, would they know that you are a believer? Or have you conformed to the world so well that people can't tell you apart? The reality is that we all are conformed to the will of our society, to the will of our culture, to the will of the world every day, many, many times. And I think sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that this isn't really happening. And we do that a lot of times by comparing ourselves to other people who we think are worse. Well, at least I don't do X, right? We turn on the news and say, well, at least I wasn't that person, or we have someone who betrays us or disappoints us at work or at school or a friend who gives us a hard time and we say, well, at least I don't do this. But the reality is the only model or mold that we can hold ourselves up to is one of perfection. And when we sincerely look at ourselves, we miss that mold every single time. We miss the mark. The scripture clearly tells us to not be conformed to the world. And as I mentioned, this has just been on my mind for several weeks, and I don't know that surely I've read this verse over and over again, but somehow in between verse 1 and the second part of verse 2, I seem to have missed that I'm told not to conform myself, not to be a part of it, not to look 
like it. Now I want to pause here as I mentioned to do something I don't normally do. I wrote this out because I want to make sure I got it right. This is something I concept I heard from Brother Josh a number of years ago. I don't recall whether he said it spontaneously or he himself had made it part of his sermon, but he described how we live in a lot of boxes and everything we do is a box. And so I want to read through just an exaggeration of the boxed world we live in. And I want you to hold this in your mind for a few minutes because we're going to make application in just, just a minute. So it goes like this. We wake up when a small box that we've placed on top of another box beeps and tells us it's time to get up. Many of us instantly roll over and begin to look at what I'm going to call our pocket box, <laughs> which is a phone. It tells us the news and the weather and which celebrity did what to whom. We get out of the box that we spent several hours sleeping in and we stumble into a tall box and splash water all over us. We stand in front of a box that reveals our reflection while we put clothes on that we retrieve from a chest of boxes. We then begin to frantically travel between and inside of all the smaller boxes that are connected to make up the bigger box we live in. Some of us go out into a box that's attached to our house and we get into a smaller box that moves on wheels. We navigate this small box between long yellow boxes while looking through a clear box, often trying to play with the small pocket box we have while keeping from hitting another box. We arrive at our work and park within a box painted on the ground that's just a little bit bigger than the box we drove. We may walk on a sidewalk which is made up of boxes until we enter through a boxed entrance into the larger box where we work. Some of us will enter into a series of smaller boxes, sometimes called offices or very ironically cubicles, at work. And then we might stare at a box for eight hours while repeatedly pressing a series of tiny strategically placed boxes on a long box we call a board to make box-like patterns on the box screen we're looking at. Somewhere around noon, we finally take a break and we take food likely out of a box, put it inside of another box to warm, and then eat while we play with our pocket box. At the end of the day, we get back into our movable box and head back to the box we live in. Arriving home, we instantly turn on the large box hanging on our wall and begin to watch whatever comes on it, again, while playing with our pocket box. Later, we may go to the cold box that we have inside of our house, retrieve our food, and place it inside of the hot box. After eating, perhaps on a box-like table or while watching the box or while at least playing with our pocket box, we take our food scraps to a box and then our dishes to a water box. After hours and hours of staring at boxes that we call computers, phones, tablets, and TVs, we sleepily return to the box from whence it all began. For most of us, the cycle repeats itself. 
our entire lifetime. From the time very shortly after we're born, we're placed inside of a box and wheeled down the hallway to the point that we return to a box and are buried beneath the ground. I could go on, but it suffice to say that we are boxed in. In nature, almost nothing has a right angle. Almost nothing. It's a creation of the human mind and one that we apparently repeat over and over again. Yet I don't think this is the plan of our master designer. Now I'm not saying boxes are evil or ungodly, but I'm hoping to make you notice the boxes we use and live in so that you can then see the societal boxes or molds that we live in. Now, I wrote that again. I know that's a little odd. The point of this is to bring you into remembrance, and that is an important part of what the Scripture is to do, and I think what preaching is to do. I sincerely hope that as you go to bed tonight, as you leave this afternoon, as you drive to work tomorrow, as you realize you go from one box to a box to a box to a box to a box, that you will begin to think about the societal boxes and molds that this world wants to put you inside of. It's really not about the box. It's about the mold. It's about the mold that society wants you to take up. So who are you resembling? Who are you molding to? Have you ever thought about all the boxes in your life? Likely not, but again, I hope you will. I hope you think about the way the world tries to mold us when you think about all the boxes that we live in. But let me answer a few questions here. Why does the world want to mold us? Keep the boxes in your mind. Why does the world want to mold us? I think there's a couple of reasons for this. The world wants to mold us because it doesn't like the uniqueness we have in Christ. Doesn't like the uniqueness we have in Christ. 1 Peter 4:10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. We are all different. We were created differently. We not only look differently, we think and we act differently. We are unique spiritual beings, and the world doesn't like it. They want us all to be the same. The world would rather have you look just like everyone else, to think like everyone else, and to act like everyone else. But that is not how we were designed at all whatsoever. In fact, to help you understand how the world wants you, I mentioned I have an example. This is a brick. This is a box. This box was made by a mold. And millions of others are made just like it. And you probably can't tell two of them apart or three of them apart. And they're only useful when they're what? Put all together. This by itself has practically no usefulness. This is what the world wants us to be. It wants us to be molded and look like all the rest of them. Not to be unique. Not to be different. 
And if we've ever been under attack in our world today, it's now to do, to be more like this. From our very most basic tenets and fundamentals, we are being attacked and told, you know what? This brick looks just like this one. You know what? Don't want to be a male anymore? That's okay. There's no difference between men and women. We're all just bricks. What about intelligence? Hmm. Well, it's not really that some are gifted more than others or are different than others. It's that they have advantages. And we can't have people being different in our society with advantages. So we're going to pull back teaching those who are able to excel to be even and look just like everybody else. What about abilities? What I see when I look around the world is this desire to try and make everyone fit the exact same mold. You cannot be different. You cannot be unique. But brothers and sisters, let me stand here and reassure you that God made you and you are unique. You have value in His eyes and you are unique to Him and therefore you have value to each other. This idea that we are all completely the same or should strive to all be the same or are as these bricks interchangeable is complete nonsense. And the world is literally dying to know that there is value in who they are. And I think it is part of our call and our duty as believers in Christ to go to individuals who feel just like these bricks who feel like the world doesn't care as long as they look like this. I'll just get another one that doesn't, you know, this one breaks, I'll get another one. Don't like that one, I'll replace you with another one. To go to them and tell you, no, I love you because he loves you. You are unique, you have value, you have purpose. And the world is telling us the exact opposite. We'll just exchange you for another one. You ever been in a work situation and had a boss that just felt like you were expendable and could just exchange you for another one? If you haven't, just wait. It'll happen. It's not true. At all. Society wants us to conform to make us look like everybody else. I think there's another reason that society wants us to all look the same. Misery loves company. Y'all heard that before. Misery loves company. Well, the closest I could come to that verse was uh, Proverbs 16.29. A man of violence entices his neighbors and leads them in a way that is not good. I think a lot of people know that they're bricks. A lot of people know that they're just conformed to the image of what society wants them to do. And I think they're unhappy about it. And rather than realize that Jesus Christ is the answer to conformity, is the answer to individualization, is the answer to uh, breaking out of this mold, they simply just want to bring you along and make you look like, well, like them, because they're miserable too. And you might as well be. I think this is what's going on a lot of times in our society. And if we take a look at it, everyone just wants to feel better about themselves, and so they're going to bring you down to their level. 
I think another reason that society wants to mold us and shape us into who they want us to be is because they don't like the freedom that we have in Christ. Now this is really tricky. I think it's abundantly clear that the Bible teaches that we have a great amount of freedom in Christ. We get a little prickled by that sometimes. And it can be misused. But Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. See, I'm not beholden to this mold that I was born into. I don't have to look like this. I don't have to act like this. I don't have to be contained within what society tells me to. I am free to be the very person that God designed me to be. And society doesn't like that. They want you right where they want you to be. Again, as I mentioned kind of already, I think society celebrates nonconformity while being conformed. Some of you who are a little bit older have experienced this. Somehow a lot of groups or individuals who claim to be individuals who do maybe unorthodox, unusual things to be an individual look an awful lot like the group of other people who do the exact same things. We can try all we want to to use the tools of the world to look different and to be different. But the only way we truly break the mold is when we live into who Christ is and don't conform to the world. Otherwise, we end up just looking like little subsections of the world, or as you might call them and scientists do, subcultures, sections of cultures. We might only think we're unique. But lastly, I want to talk about just for a minute, those of us who know the Lord, why don't they like us? Why do they want us to be conformed to them? It's because they hate us. The world hates us. The Bible tells us this over and over again. John 3:19, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. When you don't look like this, when you don't act like the world, when you're not in the mold of the world and you are different and unique the way that God made you, living a life full of honor and praise and worship for Him, the world will not like you because you expose the fact that they're all the same, that they're trapped inside of a mold and that they're going nowhere. You see, if all we ever had were these bricks, we'd never know that there was anything else. But this is the life that you have been given to show by example, by light, to those who are lost, who are trapped in the mold, that no, 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 there is something different. You can break free from this by the power of God. See, Jesus Christ is like a classic example of this. The scriptures say that it hated him first, therefore it's going to hate us who follow him. As long as we're not hiding in the mold of the world. I'll just add that, it's my own interpretation there. Why would they hate you if all you do is come here for a few hours a week? I'm being serious. Probably won't. But if you are different, if you are not fitting the mold of the world, they will hate you because they hated him first. And if there was ever anybody who didn't fit the mold, it's Jesus Christ. Now we step back just real quick and think about what we know about him. Right? What was the claim? He didn't have a father. 
You think that was popular, like among everybody? Did that really fit the mold? I don't think so. We've talked a few weeks ago that we don't know a whole lot about what went on when he was growing up. But at some point when he was older, all of a sudden he starts breaking every mold there possibly is. He's no longer conforming to anything other than the will of his father. They expected a king to make a triumphal entry into Jerusalem and go and sit on the throne as rightful king. And he rode in on a donkey. They expected someone to lead a great battle to release them from the Romans. And he said, well, give them what they're due. My kingdom's not here. They expected someone who would say, the Jews are the chosen ones only and everybody else doesn't get anything. And over and over again, he showed us that that wasn't true. It's why we're here today. They expected someone who would live forever. And he is, but not the way that we thought. He died to pay our sins. Nothing about Jesus Christ conformed to what this world wanted him to do. He is the ultimate example of the nonconformist. He wasn't molded into society. He did not fall into sin, even though he was tempted. You ever thought about how much easier it would have been had he done the things that his disciples wanted him to do? See, they were wanting him to take on the world in the way that the world wants to be dealt with. Set him up as king. Jesus knew better. What he did was to follow the will of his Lord, which is what we hear in Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There is no other way than to quite literally be transformed out of what the world is trying to cast you into as a mold. And the only way to do that is through the power of God. This brick right here cannot remold itself. It is what it is. There is nothing I can do to change this brick. And as I said, by itself, it's useless. The only thing that can change us from what we have been born into, from the mold of sin, is the power of God. Ezekiel 36 and 26 describes this. There are several places where this is talked about. It said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So that's the power of God that breaks the mold of my heart. I am born into sin. I am a product of sin, and I continue to sin all through my life. And the only possible way that I cannot be conformed to this world is to have the mold broken by Jesus Christ, to take my weak, hard heart and give me a new, soft heart that can respond to Him, a spiritual being. Otherwise... I can fight all I want to, but I'm still stuck in this mold the world has made. Until we are regenerate, which means born again, and transformed by the power of God, you are stuck in the mold of sin. As Christ himself said, you must be born again. You must be new. This is why so many times through Scripture, either the words themselves or the descriptions of being saved talk about being a new creature, being transformed, being moved from a hard heart to a soft heart. Over and over again, God is trying and literally sent His Son to die to release us from the conformity of the world. 
And it's only through Him that we can do it. And the problem is, for many of us, and myself included, is that even after we have experienced this new birth, even after I have been given the new heart, even after I am the new creature and the new creation, what do I want to do? I want to go and pack myself back inside this little, tiny, molded box that the world has told me is approvable and allowable for me. Because it's safe. And I feel better when I look like everyone else. The world wants to put us back inside of the bondage, the slavery that I read about earlier. Again, if you go back and consider the boxes, I told you they'd make more sense. Every day, all day long, what do we deal with? Boxes. We look at boxes. We live in boxes. We work in boxes. We move in boxes. Almost everything we do is a box. Almost everything in this room is a box. Now keep that in mind, because I thought that was earth-shattering for me the first time I heard it. And I challenge you, go about your life today and tomorrow and the next day, and every time you think about how what you're doing is a box, ask yourself, is there a societal, cultural norm box that I'm performing in? Am I doing this because it's what the Lord told me to do, or am I doing this just because it's what society expects of me? Now that might get dangerous. You might have to quit your job. That's a huge box. You might have to move, literally, physically, from one box to another. You might have to be willing to stand up at your place of work or with your friends and say, no, I'm not going that direction. But when we begin to realize how society has built boxes around us and has hemmed us in on every single side, I pray that we will realize that we must be transformed out of these boxes that society wants to put us in and into a renewed mind that God wants for us. We must be changed. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same images from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Transformed. It is a daily process that we must throw off the mold that the world wants to enclose us in and be more like Him. Transformed into the images from one degree of glory to another. Are you a better Christian than you were five years ago? Are you a better Christian than you were five weeks ago? If we want to truly be transformed, if we don't want to be stuck in the mold of the world, then we must be growing and moving and changing because our God is moving and changing. He's giving us directions for what to do. We're never allowed to simply just sit still and become rigid and cold and molded like the world. We must renew our minds, a renewal, a complete change over and over and over again. And it's important that we use and talk about our mind, that we renew our mind because the outward actions come from where? The inside. I could physically take this brick and I contemplated doing it today and bring a hammer and break it apart. You could get rid of a bad habit that you have by willpower. You can choose to do something different. 
But if you're not letting the Lord transform your mind internally, then all you've done is change the outside, and you'll be right back in this mold before you know it. If you need to change, then you need the power of God to break the mold, to release you, to transform your mind, to renew who you are, so that you can soar with wings as eagles, as the scripture says. So that you can walk and not grow faint. So that you can be the very individual, the holy saved child of God who has a unique purpose here on earth. You must use Him and allow Him to break the mold. So that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect. What does that word prove mean? How do you prove something? You actually do it by experience. Our God is not a God who is sitting in high on thrones somewhere way off in the distance that has no interest in who we are or what we are. If we're going to prove what God wants us to do, His good, pleasing, and perfect will, we prove it through experience by actually trying to do what He wants us to do, by being willing when He breaks the mold to step out of it and say, God, this is a little different, but I'm going to follow you and do it. Lord, this is uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it anyway. Lord, I miss the safety of all the other bricks on this wall, but if you want me to leave, then I'm going to go and follow you, and I'm going to prove who you are by my very experience with you. God has given us an opportunity to break the mold. To not live in the boxes that society wants us to be in, but to love Him with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. To be a unique individual. To have a mission and a duty and something that He wants us to do. And we continue to live inside these little tiny boxes and be molded into the image of the rest of society who's unhappy and secretly looking for a way out. And yet we let ourselves do it time and time again. I don't know what mold that needs to be broken in your life. But I guarantee you something does. And you can walk out of here with every intention to change your behavior, to do this. But the reality is, God's the one who breaks the molds. God's the one who releases you from all of this. God is the master potter who can remake you into whatever you need to be. And if you really want to change, if you really don't want to look like the rest of the world, you need to be renewed by Him. And I don't know what that will look like for you, but I know that that chapter tells us how. Do not be conformed to this world any longer, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove or experience or prove by experience what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God.